you go to any of your brokerage firms and ask them, how much margin do I have to put up in this? Again, if they come back and say, you've got to put up 50000 come over to my firm because you don't have to put up anything. All right? If you look at what happens if Micron's unchanged, you get to keep that half-point credit. That's the bottom line. You don't, didn't do any better, but you didn't hurt yourself. You didn't, make, you didn't put more good money after bad. If Micron moves to 40, the stock has moved up three and a half bucks. In the beginning example, stock was 36 and a half. It's moved up three and a half bucks. You've recovered $3,500. You get to keep the 500 from the credit you receive, so you're actually $4,000 back of that $13,000 gain. Not a great result yet, but the stock's only moved up uh, three and a half bucks. So like I say, the long calls are worthless at expiration because you bought the 40s, and if this is expiration day, you know, heck, the 40s are worthless. And of course, nobody's going to call the stock from me at 50 if it's trading at 40, so the out of the monies that I sold are worthless as well. But now is where the strategy gets good. Thank you, Bruce. At 45 bucks a share, Micron has made an eight and a half point recovery, the stock that you were a believer in. The long calls are now worth $5,000. The short calls are still worthless, right? Anybody can exercise their 50s with the stock at 45? So on a 23% move in the stock, you've recovered all of your loss. You were down 13,500, you're up 13,500 here before you even take into account that half point credit. So on a much smaller move in the market, you've recovered money and gone back um, into a positive cash position. It, you would have needed a 36% move if you didn't do CPR. If you take a look at Micron, I'll jump down off the stage for a sec, since I've got this walk around microphone, and I don't have to have the light in my eyes as much then. If Micron's at 50 bucks a share, stock's back to where you bought it, so of course you recovered the 13,500. The long calls are worth 10,000 bucks. $10 times that 10 lot, 10,000 bucks. Short calls are worthless. Your total profit would be that 10,000 plus the 13,5 plus the $500 credit you took in, $24,000. Um, is what you recovered. So as you can see, you're up 10,500 better than if you just waited around and prayed for the stock to go back up. That's why this strategy is so popular. That's why probably from now through January um, at our brokerage firm, we're going to be doing a ton of this for customers. Uh, it's it's going to be just silly. They're going to be calling up, John, I need the repair strategy for this one. Let's try the next one. Lexmark, anybody ever trade this one? Lexmark, big printer company, um, peaked back in April at 130 bucks a share. It's had a couple quarters where it warned, and uh, we all know that's not a good thing. And the stock cratered, um, got in, and let's say maybe you got bullish when it was down around here at 45, thinking, oh, geez, I'm a genius. It's running back up, and then it disappoints again, and now it's back here in the 35 level or whatever. What would you do if you had this thing and you bought in at 45 back in August? And now it's sitting here at 32. I'll show you the repair strategy right now. You own 1,000 Lexmark from 45. It's trading 32 and a quarter. I think this was Tuesday this week. That was a loss of 12,750 bucks. So let's buy the Jan 35 calls uh, for three and a quarter. And we sold the Jan 45s for one and five eighths. Why? Because like I told you guys, my rule is let's do it for even money or a credit. That's why we picked January. That's why I picked these strikes. So when you're doing this on your own portfolios, take a look at it and pick strikes that you can do so that you can do it for even money. So a worst case scenario, 
you believed like crazy the stock was going to recover, but maybe not in your lifetime, and the stock keeps going down, you didn't cost yourself any more money with this strategy. That's the purpose of doing it the way I'm doing it. So if you did this, your net cost is zero. So you've collected um, as much as you've paid. One and five eighths twice is three and a quarter. Okay? Unchanged, you incur the cost of the option commissions. That's it. You didn't take in a credit on this one, so I put that up there. You're going to have just those option commissions. At $35, the stock is back two and three quarters, but our long and short calls are worthless. So that's all you got, the 2700 bucks. At 40 the stock has made a seven and three quarter point recovery. Um, the long calls are worth 5000 at expiration, $5 times that 10 lot, 5000 Short calls are worthless. Lexmark rallied 24%. And you've recovered the full 12750 you were out in the investment. So you're back to break even, and the stock's still underwater from where you bought it. That's the beauty of these trades. That's the flexibility of trading options and doing it right. At $45 a share, I'll jump down again so I don't block so many folks in the front rows here. At 45 bucks a share, the stock has recovered 12 and 3 quarters. Uh, the long calls are worth 10. That's 10000 and the short calls are worthless. So Lexmark has rallied 39%, or back to where we bought it, where we were a true believer, and now you're up 10,000. You're not just hoping and waiting and it gets back up there and your account is not $1 bigger. You've stood with the stock and put on a prudent option strategy, and now you're $10,000 richer when it gets back up there. Yes, sir? John, if this works so well with a stock that I need to fix, what about a stock? What if I'm lucky enough that I was in cash, you know, for the last six weeks, and now I see all these bargains out there? Why wouldn't I do this on those? The answer, sir, is absolutely. You can, if you want to, you could buy the stock, and then you could do that trade, that 35-45 call spread, or you could buy the leap, take less risk, buy a leap call, you know, at, for instance, the 35 strike, and then do this 35-45 call spread in the short term against it, you're covered, you don't have to put up any additional margin, and you're in and getting virtually twice the performance as if you own 2,000 shares between 35 and 45, or between whichever strikes you pick. That's the beauty of the trade. Um, if Lexmark rallies up to 50 bucks a share, your stock position has made that much. The long calls are worth 15 because you had the right to buy it at 35. And the right to buy it at 35, of course, at 50 is worth 15. The short calls are worth $5 times two because you're short two of those. So I, the reason I put this up here is so you realize whatever strike you pick for the upper end of this range, that caps you out. From that dollar for dollar past that, you don't participate. I mean, there is a trade-off. That's the trade-off with this strategy. I can get you back to break even faster you know, with, without the stock making a full recovery even, but what you have to be willing to do is say, if it gets, if, if the stock blows up and, you know, goes on a moon run like Yahoo or Qualcomm did last year, if it does that sort of performance, you're capped out at whatever the top strike is you sell. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is no reason you get, just have to sit there and let that happen. If the stock runs up and it's doing its thing for you, you can buy back this spread and put on one at a higher strike. And again, employ the same rules. What, what call spread can I do for even money 
Um, do I have to do it two months out in the future or three months out in the future so that I can get a credit or do it for even money? That's what you do when you're trading this way. And that's why this makes so much sense. Now I'm gonna move on so I can finish some more of these examples for you guys. Um, here's one for Amazon. Amazon comes down, um, if you guys ever went on our website, 1010wallstreet.com, we recommended it right here. Um, stock ran up to here. I wish I could say I sold it at the absolute top at 49 and 5 ace or whatever. We didn't, but we did get out here. Anyway, so you were a believer here. You got in and you never got out, and now the stock is right back down there. So what do you do to repair that one? The same strategy we've been doing all along. We're going to put on the, uh, in this case, January 35, 45 call spread. You own 1,000 Amazon from 50. It's cratered all the way down. You're out 20 grand. Amazon's tra trading 30. We do this call spread, and we do it for a credit. The 45 calls, we're trading 2.5 bucks. So 2.5 twice is 5 bucks, obviously. 4 and 5 eighths for the others. Net, we receive a credit of 375, $375 or 3 eighths. Um, all right, Bruce. Unchanged, you get to keep that credit. So you didn't hurt yourself, you just get to keep the credit. At 35, the stock is back 5,000, and you're right to the strike of your long call. So that long call can't help you. So the long and short calls expire worthless. At $40 a share, um, the stock has recovered 10, 10,000 bucks, and the long 35s are worth five or 5,000 bucks, and the short calls are worthless. On a 33% move, you've recovered 15,000 of that $20,000 loss. Not bad. At 45, the stock is back 15 bucks, $15,000. The 35s are worth 10. The short calls are worthless. Again, same scenario as before. The stock is still underwater from where you bought it, and you're cash positive. You're up 5,000, actually 5,375 before you calculate your option commissions. But like I say, those option commissions, uh, I don't know where you're doing them, but if you're doing them someplace where you're paying too much, come over to us. Let's try the next one. Here's uh, Qualcomm. Qualcomm, of course, the big stock last year, and anybody who was trading remembers that. It was probably one of the most phenomenal runs I've ever seen out of a stock. And now the stock, I don't know if it tried to put in a bottom here doing that, but there's where the stock is. That's the most recent graph. Let's say, for instance, that you owned the stock from 90 bucks a share. Qualcomm at 77 and a half this week. You're out 12,500. We bought the, whoops, that shouldn't be uh, 75 calls, but we bought the Nov 80 calls for six and a half. We sold the, uh, I think on the next page it says the correct strike. I think it was the 95s for three and a half. So we did this for a half point credit, 500 dollars on a 10 by 20 spread. All right, Bruce. So if Qualcomm is at 80, the stock's back 2,500, the long and short calls are worthless. If it's at 85, the stock's made a recovery of seven and a half bucks, that's 7,500 in your pocket. The 80 calls are worth five, short calls are worthless. So on that 9% rally, 9%, you fully recovered your 12,000. At 90, which is, I think, believe where my short call must have been, it must have been the 80-90 um, spread instead of that 75 that I was drunk when I was writing this, apparently. Um, Qualcomm at 90, the stock had fully recovered 12,500. 
Long calls are worth 10 or 10,000 bucks, and the short calls are worthless. So on a 16% rally, back to where we started, we're in the black by 10,000. So those strategies, these particular CPRs, you're going to see people doing this like crazy, and they should be doing it um, over the next three months because many of the stocks that they're holding have gotten battered, or as the gentleman back here said, why couldn't I put that on? I mean, when you look at those numbers in Qualcomm, um, I can't think of a good reason I shouldn't have that spread on just start it out today and put it on. Yes, sir? Is it considered a what, sir? A liquid? Yes, sir. Qualcomm options, I think, very liquid. All right, let's take a look. Um, I wanted to talk briefly before I brought it in for questions and so forth. Oh, Dan, would you mind uh, bringing around those cards for folks? So, do I see Dan in the back of the room? Great. And can you bring me one of those tapes too, Dan, while you're doing that? Um, Dan is with our brokerage firm, and we've got two audio cassettes we're going to give all you guys. I think there's not more than 100 people here, but if there are, um, we'll take your names and mail out to you audio cassettes for basically some trading strategies that are on these audio cassettes. We give them away at our free seminars that we do. But for instance, one of the things I want to point out to you guys is that payment for order flow, it used to just be in stocks. Now it's in options as well. By the way, this is uh, the insider's guide to uh, uh, what? Insider floor trading secrets. Um, and we've got two cassettes in here that we're going to give to all you guys. Dan's passing out cards. Anybody that signs one of those cards and gives us your name, you're going to get one of these. And it's, uh, like I say, two cassette set. And Dan's got the box of 100 of them in the back of the room. Um, as far as brokerage, when you go through somebody like Ameritrade, E-Trade, Schwab, they sell your stock order flow. Many of you already know that. They do it because I want to trade against you if I'm those guys, because you're going to be that much slower than me, and because I want to buy on the bid and sell on the offer, and by buying their order flow, I can do that. So the big people that do that are Bernie Madoff and Knight Trimark. Knight Trimark, of course, is a publicly traded firm under the symbol NITE. Well, now firms are also paying for option order flow. And the reason that I'm bringing it to your attention is all three of those firms up there, by the way, um, not to put them down, they do a good job, but Schwab, E-Trade, and Ameritrade sell your options order flow. I know, because I buy it. Um, and not that that's always a bad thing for you, but you can imagine, especially when you're doing spreads, for two things I'll mention right off the top. After attending something like this and spending the time to really learn options, you don't want to go to an options broker that doesn't know as much as you know, that knows less than you. And there's a hell of a lot of them out there. There's not a lot of good option brokers. Lafferty, who's here at this seminar, they're good. We, I'd like to think that, our, that we're good. All of our brokers are former floor traders for our brokerage firm. So when you call up and you give them a strategy, we've heard the strategy a million times. If you're giving it to us wrong, we're going to say, you're bullish on this stock, but you just gave me the spread backwards. If you go through some other broker, they'll just execute it for you and say, listen to the tape. We'll tell you, you told me you're bullish and you're trying to do this in Qualcomm, that's not bullish. So we'll, these guys will actually be able to help you in that regard because all of our guys have been floor traders for many of them 10 and 15 years before we brought them upstairs. And the reason for that is simple. You get flat feet, bad back, you blow out your voice screaming down there in the pits. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you might prefer to be a broker upstairs. And our brokers, by the way, are not commission-based. All the guys we bring in we make them buy a piece of the firm. So we've got eight brokers 
these guys are all owners of the firm. They're not commission-based brokers to drive you to trade. Um, as far as selling order flow and so forth, Schwab, E-Trade, Ameritrade, you might not know if a broker's good when you enter the trade. You might not know if they're good or bad when you enter the trade. You will know if they're good or bad. In particular, you'll know if they're selling your order flow um, when, they, when you go to exit the trade because that's when it'll become apparent that you can't cut the markets. And that's quite simple. When you're trying to cut the markets, for instance, you don't want to buy on the offer and sell on the bid when you're getting out. Let's say that you just have a problem with doing that. You've tried, you got into the spread, paid $3 for a 10-point call spread. Now this call spread has moved up. It's trading at 8 bucks, and you want to trade out of it. But on the bid and on the offer, you'd have to sell it for 7 bucks. If you, can get, if you can shave something in between, you can get out for 8 bucks or whatever. I have no incentive if I'm paying E-Trade, Schwab, and Ameritrade, I will not shave on that spread. Because they're coming to me and they're basically saying, John, we want 50 cents a contract, so I, every month, Schwab, the check from the CBOE to Schwab last month was a million dollars for their order flow. So these guys make a lot of money selling their order flow. Um, and I think Arthur Levitt has done some things that are good for the public, but this is one area where the SEC has totally fallen down, and that is letting anybody buy order flow, stock or options order flow. It's bad. Even though, like I say, I have to do it because my competition on the other exchanges does it. I mean, that's a stupid thing, I know, but I have to do it or I'll lose business. But when, the, when that order comes in from Schwab, who am I more likely to fill between the markets, the Schwab guy or guys coming in through firms like Dan's that don't sell the option order flow. I don't have to pay his firm 50 cents a trade for the privilege of trading against him. I pay Schwab, I pay E-Trade, and I pay Ameritrade 50 cents a trade to do that. So I'm telling you guys that when you're considering who your broker should be, in particular for options, um, you need to make, ask them the question. Um, because every big broker um, on Wall Street right now, except for Solomon Smith Barney and Merrill Lynch sells their order flow. Fidelity does, um, uh, Prudential does, all the big firms that many of you use don't do that. Yes, sir? Um, not a dumb question. The gentleman says, what does it mean when, they, when I say sell the order flow? That means when the market on the screen is four and an eighth bid offered at four and three eighths on the CBOE and four and a quarter bid offered at four and a half on the Amex, if your order comes to me on the CBOE, I pay four and an eighth, not four and a quarter that you could have got if, if that order was routed to the Amex. So the bad thing about payment for order flow is there's not a linkage in options like there is in stock. In stock, um, on any of the exchanges, the Cincinnati Exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, uh, the Philadelphia, the, the uh, Pacific, there's a linkage that keeps the, option, uh, the stock from trading through the price at one exchange. So I can't trade IBM cheaper on the Philly than I could um, on the New York Stock Exchange. I can't sell through his bid. There's no linkage in options. So because of that, um, you're not getting the best price if you're going someplace where the broker is selling the order flow because they've got no reason to improve the price for you. They're saying, you've already got your improvement. Talk to your broker. <laughs> okay, folks, let me throw it open to some questions. Um, yes, front row. How much percentage of your portfolio in options and how much in stock? Um, 
bottom line, since there's, once you learn the option strategies, and if you already do, um, I'm not saying that you don't, but if you know the option strategies, you'll see less and less reason to own stock, and more and more reasons to own bull call spreads or to own various option strategies instead of stock. So for, for, for that reason, for me, I don't do a strategy where I just have stock. So in my portfolio. Yes, sir. Question is, would I be a seller of option premium, credit spreads in the S&P 100 or whatever, when the volatility peaks up here at 36%? And my answer is yes, I would, uh, because I think you're getting rewarded for taking that extra risk in a big way. So absolutely, I would. Yes, sir. Um, I love them. I, although I'm a, a straddle buyer, not a straddle seller normally, if I do decide that the volatility is high, like in the situation we just talked about um, Wednesday, Thursday of this week, and I think it's unsustainably high, I might sell a straddle or sell a strangle, sir, where instead of picking like the uh, 750 strike, if I'm talking about the OEX, instead of s selling the 750 call and put, I might sell the 770 call the 730 put, and then buy protection outside of that range, and then hedge, butterfly it off almost. And I find that that is extremely successful when I'm taking advantage of a volatile situation. But on the low end of that volatility curve, that's when I'm putting on that trade, a straddle, where I'm buying it. Because I'm, I, I'm not saying I know it's going to move up or down, but when you put on that spread at the low end of the range, the odds are really in my favor. I mean, like I say, that's my whole game waiting to push the odds in my favor before I make a bet or before I increase my bet. Yes, sir. Yeah, forgot to plug it. My book comes out November 3rd. It's How I Trade Options. It's already on Amazon, and it'll be on the Galleria at tradingmarkets.com. Okay, um, fair enough. The, uh, my book basically follows a little bit of the story I gave you guys at the beginning about how I started, and then it starts at the beginning of learning options when I started. So basically the book goes, it's 10 chapters, and each chapter it's, here's wh where I was at that stage in my career and I was learning these spreads, and I teach those spreads in the book. So then as I move along throughout the book, each chapter, I've introduced more and more spreads and different strategies for trading the market, along with, of course, uh, stories from trading in the pits through the crash in 87 and 89 and all this craziness today. So it's kind of a combination of um, if you will, an autobiography, but it's a teaching autobiography. Block trades are something we publish on 1010wallstreet.com, and with trading markets, my commentary is going to be there. Larry Connor is going to start putting up my commentary on tradingmarkets.com. Yep, thank you very much. Um, and we do talk, we've, we are, as far as I know, the only place that follows block option trades. And the reason I think it's important is it's like when the water shakes um, in Jurassic Park when you're seeing you know, the T-Rex moving in. Sometimes you can see the big funds moving into a stock by buying puts or calls um, in the options because they're trying to hide what they're doing. They're not trying to come in there and buy the stock outright and having people see these big blocks of stock. Instead, they're coming in and the stock might average 2,000 contracts a day and all of a sudden we're seeing 4,000, 5,000 contract volume in that stock, something's going on. It's usually indicative of a takeover or bad news, one or the other, when we see it. Yes, sir? If your short puts, is there a repair strategy for that? 
um, other than changing religions. Um, the, the, um, no, I don't really have a good repair strategy for short puts. Although, folks, I will tell you that we have a customer, um, it's a friend of mine, and uh, unfortunately he figures the only way to make money in options is to sell them. Some of you out here will feel the same way, but uh, I can never convince him to buy anything against them as protection. So for instance, and here's why that's so dumb in my mind. If I go in and I want to sell, I'm a real believer in Qualcomm. We had it up there a few minutes ago. Qualcomm trading 77 and a half or 80 bucks a share. If I go in and I sell the uh, 75 puts for five bucks with one month to go and I say, geez, I'm stealing, I'm making five bucks selling these out of the money puts. First of all, I can only make five bucks. That's okay though. But the bad news is I have to put up $70 in my account to do that. 75 is the strike price. I collected five bucks. Any firm will let me use that five bucks against what I have to put up. It means I have to put up 70 bucks, $7,000 for every contract that I do. Every contract, 7,000 bucks to make five. Now let's look at it the other way. If I buy some protection against that, I'm same position, sell, sell the 75 calls in Qualcomm for five bucks. Buy the 65 call, puts, I'm sorry, 75 puts, because we were talking puts. Sold the 75 puts for $5. Qualcomm's trading at 80. So I'm saying, I'm gonna keep this premium if the stock goes up. If I sell those 75 puts for five bucks and buy the 65 puts for let's say a buck, now I only have $4 to make. But guess what? I only have $4 to make and I can only lose six. Guess how much money I have to put up in my brokerage account? Not 70 bucks, six bucks. So on the one hand, I'm putting up $6 to potentially make four. And on the other side, I'm putting up $70 to make five. It's a stupid bet. It's a sucker bet. And that's why, you know, that's why I should be buying people drinks to trade options that trade that way like they do here out here in Vegas. Okay, hey guys, I'm gonna cut it off here now. What I'll remind you before you go, if you filled out one of those cards, give it to Dan and he'll give you the, the, the tape right here. We, I've got the book coming out November 3rd and uh, anything else, just go to Larry Connors and tradingmarkets.com and hopefully you'll see a lot of good information from us there. Thanks for coming. <laughs>